Few are taught the fundamentals of finance and money management in school. This limited series podcast tackles the basics all students need to know to become financially independent, made by students for students. My name is Costa and welcome to episode 2 of the Money Class Podcast. On this episode, we talk about self-awareness, opportunity cost, the value of losing money, and risk management. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Money Class Show. This is episode 2. My name is Costa. If you don't know who I am, I'm a second year Concordia University student studying economics and English literature. And I love anything that involves business, entrepreneurship, arts, and I want to find a way to mesh all of that together. And yeah. Yeah, so hey guys, uh, my name is Mark. Uh, my name is Mark. I'm a second year finance, a third year finance student already at uh, Concordia, like Costa. And uh, yeah, I love anything that, that revolves around investing, academia, personal finances, and really just you know spreading knowledge to, to people, you know, just in general. So I find that a lot of fun. Awesome. So, Mark, for this episode, actually, I brought in a few books that I want to talk about. I'm going to show the people watching the video version. So it's Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, and the other one is I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. The reason I'm bringing in these books and the reason I want to talk about these two books is because they were probably in the first like five books I ever read about finance or like investing or like just money management, and they really opened up my eyes. So I did like kind of scroll through some of the pages because I highlight a lot and I'm going to go through some of the highlights and I want us to talk about some of the passages and you can let me know what you think and I'll let you know what I think. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds fun. Yeah. Okay. So first we're going to start with the one everybody kind of reads, which is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And uh, I'm going to go through like some of his little like quick lesson, quick tips that he has over here. Now, some of them have to do with time. And I know you did talk about time in one of your other series you're doing on your own on Instagram, right? So he is saying that loss of time, he's talking, okay, let me give you like a little backstory here, or like, let me clarify some things. When he's talking about making decisions, making any financial decisions, there are like three things you kind of have to worry about or think about. The loss of time, the loss of additional capital, and the loss of education, all right? So the first thing he talks about is loss of time, where um, he says, during which other assets could have grown in value. So when you're buying okay, something, opportunity cost. opportunity cost, loss of additional capital, which could have been invested instead of paying high home maintenance expenses. So he's talking about houses here. But yeah. All right. Number three, loss of education. Mm-hmm. Too often people count their house and savings and retirement plans as all they have in their asset column because they have no money to invest. They simply don't invest. Um, this, cost, this costs them investment experience. Most never become what the investment world calls a sophisticated investor. So I guess it has to do with um, like learning, learning uh, through risks and, or, or through playing it safe. And I guess like the damage that can be caused through certain like choices you make. So what are your thoughts on what he said right there? Let me know if you want me to clarify anything and I'll give you my thoughts. Yeah, so do you want to go with the first one about time? What was the, the, uh, the, the main idea about that one as well? It's that... Uh, let me get that out right now. Loss of time. So essentially, it's the opportunity cost. Like when you're looking to buy something versus like what your assets could have done if you like went somewhere else. Okay. Situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know that one is is quite. I wouldn't say logical, but that one it makes a bit of sense. You know, you only have a certain amount of time to do something. Uh, well, that you only have a certain amount of time in a day, right? I think it's eighty-one thousand seconds, something like that. 
Um, so it's a question of how do you want to spend your time and, you know, is it the best way of spending it? When you invest something, let's say, well, there's only, you know, a return that you make over a year. You can't, with that same money, make that return twice. You can't go back in time and say, oh, I wish I had taken some, something else. So it's like, uh, I think it kind of goes with the second idea as well where, you know, your opportunity costs you with, with the house, let's say, as the example, is that you can only put your money so many places. So... So the actual opportunity cost is more than 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 what your what your initial disbursement is. Mm-hmm. So an example, you know, you spend a hundred dollars to uh, to to buy an iPhone. Oh, obviously not. No, you spend a thousand dollars to buy a phone. Well, that thousand dollars is is actually worth so much more than a thousand dollars. That one is worth, you know, what could you have done with that money otherwise, right? So if you had placed that in an investment, we saw that last week. You know, if you had placed that at ten percent. Let's say you know something like a ten percent return year over year. That thousand dollars would have been worth two thousand dollars in seven years. So your iPhone all of a sudden is not worth a thousand dollars today, but it's actually worth the loss of two thousand dollars over the course of seven years. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of the opportunity cost that goes that, that that goes hand in hand with when you buy something or when you invest in that. Is that you know with time you're able to grow your earnings, but also you can only spend it so many ways. You can only spend it in so many places. For sure, for sure. So would you recommend, say, for, especially because this podcast is very much like directed to students, how would you want them or how would you advise them to go about uh, their money? Would it be through like a stock form of investment? Would it be through maybe um, investing in themselves through education? Like a lot of people go ahead and do courses online with their extra time instead of, let's say, taking mm-hmm. that money and putting it in the stock market. What would you think is like best? Well, I think your your personal education is the most important. I think what you what you gain is is the most is the best investment you can make because it's the only one that's going to follow you throughout your entire life, mm-hmm. right? You know the the, the return on um, like I just I just I just uh, enrolled to the CFA exam in May, and that's you know fifteen hundred dollars Canadian, right? But what else could I have done with that fifteen hundred dollars, right? I could have invested it somewhere else, the market, and maybe that could have grown. But the advantage of for me writing the CFA is so much greater because the investment in yourself is is, is I think the number one the number one thing right. For um, sure. You know, I'm not saying go get a hundred thousand dollar master's degree, but if that you know if that degree is gonna is, is gonna help you progress in your career, help you progress as a person, then the investment in oneself. You know, why would I invest in someone else when I shouldn't just invest in myself first? I agree. That's kind of the way I see it. I totally agree. I had this. Uh this was a big dilemma I had a few years ago and I was like, do I invest the money I have right now or do I go ahead and like educate myself? And through like a lot of just, I was like, I was checking to see what everybody thought on the internet, which is kind of weird to say, but it's mostly like the experts or like the, mm-hmm. like, like famous personalities that the talk Reddit about experts. money. <laughs> Not Reddit. Reddit is the worst <laughs> place to go for any advice. <laughs> but um, yeah, everybody talked about investing in yourself first. And really ma- making sure that, you know, you're in a place where you know what you're doing with yourself before, like you said, invest in other people. So I went ahead and took a bunch of uh, courses on Coursera about uh, like business analytics. And I learned a lot through that. Um, and I even did uh, a few data science courses. And honestly, I feel like some of that stuff benefited, uh, informed m- my decisions when it came to making investments now. And I'm sure that's going to be the case in the okay. future too, right? So there, is, there are ways where you can become a more informed person uh, who can manage, yeah. better manage their money yeah. uh, through like courses you take. But, but then, 
Yeah, but then there's also the problem of people who over overeducate yourself. That's right? true. I understand. You know, you know, we're, you know, we're 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 21. Um, so you know, we still we're still young, right? But I'm talking about you know, imagine the people who do two bachelor's degree, three masters, a PhD, <laughs> postdoc. They're like 35 years old and they've never been able to, you know, to start to start their lives. And I think there's a certain threshold where you have to say, okay, investing myself is important, but I have to start like actually building something. That's kind of the way I see it. That's totally right? true. You know, I believe in, in chapters in your life. And and if the chapter of education is one of them, where where while the chapter of edu- you know education, you should always be pursuing you know new knowledge and, and new education, new ways of doing things. Um, you know, at some point, you take what you say and say, okay, I'm ready to start and, and and to start investing. I'm ready to start in the workforce. I'm ready to start you know personal life, a family. I'm ready to to get married. It's 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 a question of you know if you always wait for the right time, you'll never end up doing anything. Yeah. Right? So I think at some point you have to say that's enough. I have enough, um, you know, I have enough diplomas. Let me start working. Let me start my, my, my career. Yeah, there's this thing I always tell myself too, which is you have to, school in a way is for you to learn how to learn, not necessarily to learn about certain topics all, a huge chunk of the time, right? So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you learn so much more during an internship or even like being a part of uh, certain clubs than I'd say a lot of classes you take in school. Uh, so, yeah, that's definitely important. You need to have actual practical experience because theory alone is not going to take you far you're totally right yeah um yeah and i think i think employers are realizing that now with you know they're taking you know a lot of students they'll graduate they'll have a good grade but they have no work experience so you know they're just a piece of paper and and as 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 terrible you know as unfortunate it is to say if you have the work experience you could be the you know you could be the best programmer but you've never written code how good you know how good are you really right and not not to knock anyone but it's a reality that we're that we're, you know, that that we're setting because a bachelor degree has become such a you know such a relatively easy thing to get, right? It's the new it's norm. Not like, it's almost the new norm. Yeah, and an MBA is starting to become that as well. Or having the CFA is, is in finance is starting to creep up on that. Where it's like, oh well, I guess I got to do a CFA or I have to do an MBA. Well, that's a lot of time. It's a lot of money you're you're putting to something. That's very true. But with that, the big thing is when it comes to finance is money management, especially because we're young. I don't think people should be too afraid to take risks at the same time because, you know, in 10 years, you're going to be 30 years old. 30 years old is still very, very young. So don't be afraid to, Mm -hmm. you know, take your money and and do things that might be a little risky, but where you might learn something through it. There's someone I know. Well, there's more of like a personality on the internet because I watch a lot of YouTube videos and I read a lot of books about people. And what he did was that he made $5,000 in high school. And instead of investing that money, he went ahead and opened himself like an e-commerce business on Amazon. And okay. through that, he like actually lost all of his money because he was like, yeah, because he didn't know what he was doing. And it, it I was, was expecting this, some happy story. <laughs> no. And it was a stupid product he was selling and it just didn't sell. And he even had to pay Amazon because he was storing it in one like an Amazon warehouse. So he was actually like oh losing God. a lot of money. But the thing is, look, he like he did that. He was like 19. He learned a lot from that experience. He, he learned a lot about like the logistics of it all. And now if he ever opens a new business, he'll know what to do with his money. Right. Because he lost five thousand yeah. dollars now, which maybe in the future as an adult would have been like a lot more money than, you know, five thousand. Yeah. But I think that, that that brings up an interesting point. Um, the one that I like to make, you know, I, I, between being risk taking risk and being reckless, I think there's a certain medium 
um, that you have to find within the spectrum, right? You know, taking risk is that, okay, I, I'm aware that the stock market is risky. I'm aware that high beta stocks or, or stocks that are very volatile are risky. I, I'm, I'm aware that the tech um, tech is more risky than, um, you know, a bank, a financial institution, but I'm willing to take the risk because there's a potential to have a return. For sure. Right? Versus the flip side of being reckless. Being reckless is just saying, oh, well, you know, or like, for instance, the $5,000 investment to, 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 to make something, you know, to, to start a store on Amazon, right? That's taking a risk. But I'm sure he did his due diligence. I'm sure he did his research to say, okay, this looks like something that has a potential to make money. Whereas a, a, a reckless is just going in, all eyes closed. This is what I'm investing. I'm putting 5,000 in penny stocks. No, yeah. That now, is- I find that. I find that's a bit reckless, if you, especially when you don't know what you're doing. You know, I'm sure. taking five thousand dollars, and I, uh, you know, there's there, there's a lot of ways of spending it, and I think you have to go on the risk and not, you know, not go to the reckless side, which where a line isn't isn't always very um very where very well defined. For sure, uh, well, especially in the stock market, a way people can I say in a way minimize the risk is you know ETFs, where yeah they pile up a bunch of stocks in one big like bundle and then you can just click on that bundle and buy that one thing and you essentially have a say or have a play in a bunch of different stocks for the price of one in a way uh, yeah exactly and that really minimizes risks especially if you you know you, you you could do that you could put aside a lot of your money and just buy a bunch of etfs and then essentially take set aside some some like part of that money and then go ahead and take risks in other ways where you can learn. So for sure, there is a balance. People can decide for themselves, but it's just something people should, especially our, our age, they should think about, right? Yeah, but that, that's, well, that's the question of you want to, you know, an ETF is just, you know, why would you want to pool many stocks together? And it's the same thing as an insurance company, right? You know, there's there's two types of risk. There's market risk and then, and then there's specific risk, right? So in, 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 um, in, uh, in finance, we call it idiosyncratic and we call it um, idiosyncratic, which is, Oh my god, I'm forgetting. But you have market risk and you got and you got firm risk. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the idea is you can always bring down the, the firm specific risk if you diversify your pool, if you diversify your, your your holdings. Whereas you know, market risk has always be a certain minimum, right? So an insurance company is exactly what they do. They can't they can't you know remove the risk that an asteroid is going to come and you know it's going to there's going to be meteorite in, in Montreal and you know there's going to be you know there's all of a sudden there's going to be Three million insurance claims, you know, house insurance claims, mm-hmm. right? That's something that they can't diversify. But what they can diversify is 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 take on policies with a lot of different individuals at different risk levels. So that in aggregate, if one person, you know, does a claim, that's fine because you've got less risky people or if you've got enough people that to cover this risk. So, you know, if if all of a sudden, you know, Facebook gets sued, well, that's a specific risk to that firm, right? And if you have all your money in, in Facebook, in that case you know, that's a bit risky. Mm-hmm. But if you if you now have 50% in Facebook, 50% in Apple, let's say, well, all of a sudden, you're, you're only half of your portfolio, assuming that, you know, this lawsuit won't affect Apple, only 50% of your portfolio has actually gotten hit. For sure. Right? And as you diversify, and, you know, that's why buy ETFs as well, like, like, like yourself, you're able to minimize this firm-specific risk, but also benefit from when the market does well. Of course, diversification. That's that's what an ETF is, and that's what everybody recommends. Yeah. Not just not necessarily about investing. I think just in general, you diversify in anything. You're reducing your risk. Like, yeah, no, definitely. For sure. yeah. um, what was the next third point? I w- principle. 
I'll, I'll get to that. I was actually going to go to another one, but the third one actually okay. was loss of education, which we kind of talked about, which is has to do with yeah. you know the risks and how you can learn from that. And uh, yeah, um, next point, assets. We also kind of talked about this, but here are some assets he, Robert Kiyosaki, in his book he talks about. So there's the business. Oh, I think something fell. There's the business. Is your microphone still there? Yeah, your yeah, yeah, still it's there. there. Um, so he talks about assets everybody should acquire. There's business that does not require your presence. There's stocks, bonds, income gener generating real estate, notes, IOUs, royalties from intellectual property such as music, scripts, and patents. And then he says anything else that has value, produces income, or appreciates and has a ready market. What do you think of that? I think that's I think that's very fair. I think that's a very true statement. You know, you want to be able to diversify your income because if something happens, you want to be able to have a certain safety net, right? Um, you know, a lot of people um, when they start working in a company, right, they're going to have sub, part of their compensation, part of their salary is through stock options, right? So I work at Bombardier, or I work at Nortel, right, mm -hmm. um, and and I have options, and my entire retirement savings is in this company's is in this company's stock as in, in options. Well, if this company goes bankrupt, not, on, not only do you lose all your investments, but you also lose your job. <laughs> yeah. So you got like a double, you're like a double whammy. You're yeah. like, you're like, you hit double. So, you know, if, if you're a real estate broker, right, if you just started off as a broker, you're 22 years old, and you start only investing in real estate properties. Well, if the market tanks, then you're not going to be doing transactions as a broker, but your value of your properties also have also diminished. So now you're like a double, you hit double. Mm -hmm. right? But as soon as you start diversifying, um, in that case, well, now, now you're able to diminish your risk. And if one of the asset classes, so whether it be an IOU, a, a debt, um, uh, income generating properties, um, stocks, uh, anything else that you, or businesses that you don't have to be present, if any of them start doing well, you get to you know reap the benefits from it. But if they don't do well, well, in that case, at least it doesn't represent all your wealth. Again, it has to do with and diversification. You're able to have a diversification. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, essentially, I want to just note this. It's a side note, but we are students. A lot of us don't have the, the opportunity at this very specific moment to, let's say, buy some real estate and, and buy a, a stocks and, yeah. and do all of that at the same time. But you can start at places. Obviously, stock, like the barrier to entry for like the stock market is a lot smarter, smaller than real estate. But you can... Yeah. Knowing all of these different options, you can find ways to maybe plan ahead and see where where you want to be in life for you to, let's say, go ahead and, and you know, put a down payment on a house and maybe yeah. uh, buy more stocks or whatever the case is. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, an interesting one he talks about, which kind of like not a lot of people talk about, which is royalties from intellectual properties such as scripts, music and patents. Now, I find that really interesting because... What he's trying to say there is it kind of goes with another point he made, which is income generating things where you don't have to necessarily, it doesn't require your pre presence, which is your money working for itself, right? Uh, it's passive, essentially. Yeah. Um, now, intellectual property, the way that works is that, say, uh, you have a song and it's uh, copyrighted, co uh, patent, whatever the case is, by you. Uh, let's say someone plays it on YouTube, on, uh, on one of their YouTube videos. What happens is that YouTube tags that video and all the AdSense that comes to that video goes to you. Now that's one example of the ways this works through copyright and through uh, fair use. But uh, the, the point I want to make is that 
there are ways for you to make money without having to, to necessarily be there all the time. And it's all automatic and it gets, gets into your bank account. It's very simple. Um, go ahead. You were going to say something? Th think of a, th yeah, think of a photographer that takes pictures and puts that on uh, stock image websites. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. You know, if I like taking pictures of birds, right? Well, I could, I could, I, you know, I could print the pictures and have them in my, in my house, but I could also put them on a stock photo website and, you know, I may make it cent, I may make nothing, but I also make, make, you know, 10 bucks, a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks. I don't know, but at least I get to turn my passion, my hobby into a type of business, right? I'm not saying this will be enough, you know, to, to, you know, for it to be a full-time, you know, full-time career and, and, you know, to be enough of a salary. Um, but you're able to take what you like, right? Take take your passion, take your hobby, and then monetize it in some way, in one way that you don't get, you don't feel sold out, you know, in a way that you're not feeling as, as like you're not being a sellout to yourself where you're not doing it just, you know, because there's some remuneration, but you're doing it because you also enjoy the process of the creation. For right? sure. Like you're, you know, you, you like writing, right? So maybe you could put some scripts out uh, or, or maybe you like taking videos, you know, you want to take some B-roll just of, uh, of Montreal skyline. Well, mm -hmm. you could take those and then put them on the website and, and some people may want it. Mm -hmm. But I think it doesn't necessarily only have to do with like the arts. Like it's not only about writing music, uh, scripts, uh, whatever it is, photography. It's also like with a job you take or the job you decide uh, you, you, you want to do in the future. Like um, an entrepreneur or just a businessman who has his own company in general, the there are there's no like maximum amount of money that person can make also the risk is much higher but compared to someone who works let's say at a very uh, reputable and steady company but that's also something you should think about you know working at a bank per se they're they're going to give you a very solid salary and that there's going to be a paycheck that comes in every two weeks and that's going to be it but as an entrepreneur you might have the chance to make like two three four five times that salary Maybe not at a steady mm -hmm. amount. Maybe it's going to be like a one-time big pay, which is a lot of the time what a lot of people go through. It's like 10 years of nothing. And then there's like a year where like their company mm -hmm. goes and it's like intellectual public offering and they make a bunch of money. But whatever the case is, it's like, it's not just in the arts. You can think about your salary too. Yeah, no, that's true. But that's, you know, but that's why entrepreneurship is, is one of the most respected. Um, I was taking a class, I'm taking a class right now on entrepreneurship. And there's a study showing that entrepreneur, entrepreneurs are like the most respected um, professions or one of the most respected professions, you know, up there with firefighters and and, and paramedics, um, because you know the people who take risks and, and the people who aren't willing, you know, aren't unscared to put them, put themselves out there. Um, but also, you know, there's there's also this trend now of of almost uh, culpabilize, you know, to put you know to put down these CEOs, these billionaire CEOs, and you know this is a personal opinion, but you know these people worked hard, right? They sacrificed a lot. They created tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of jobs. So I think it's it's okay for them to reap the benefits of their labor. Now, does that mean they should be worth twenty billion, forty billion, a hundred billion? That's another that's that that's a different debate, right? But you know, you worked hard, you put yourself in a vulnerable situation, you, you left most of the time you left a good paying job or you you quit you, you know, you quit you quit college, um, and you're able to create value for people. Well, as an entrepreneur, that's what your goal is, right? And if that mm -hmm. just happens to to come into the you know the the effects of ten, a hundred, or a hundred million dollars, or a billion dollars, then I have a very difficult and and you tell me what your opinion is, but I have a very difficult way of of of, of justifying what's wrong with that. No, I totally agree, but it also has to do with 
like the extremities of it all, maybe inequality and whatever the case is. But I like you're right. At the end of the day, uh, if you're bringing a lot of value to society, you should mm -hmm. be able to, you know, uh, get a, a reward for that. Again, like you said, that doesn't mean you should be worth like $60 billion dollars. You might maybe be worth a few million or like, I don't know, a billion. You decide what you think is like, okay, I'm not the one to tell you. I think you. I'll be fine. I think, I, think <laughs> a, I think a billion should be enough. I don't know. Like, I personally don't know. I haven't thought of that um, too much, but I totally agree. Like, you should be rewarded for uh, the value you bring to society. Um, again, the people who uh, more often than not are worth billions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars, like you said, had to sacrifice a lot. And... There are a lot of people who yeah. did exactly what they did and failed because yeah. it's not as secure as it is. The, when something is riskier, it also means that if it hits, you're, you're, you're like hitting big time. You know what I mean? But if it yeah. falls, it, you're going to fall hard. There's no in between no, a lot true. of the time. So that's yeah, you, you, yeah, you know, the, there's a lot of luck. There's a lot of luck that exactly. comes into play as well, right? There's, you know, timing is very important, right? In, in Cinema Now was, uh, was released in the late 1990s, okay? Um, and they essentially was an, they were an online uh, movie broadcasting service, kind of like Netflix's, but mm -hmm. they were too ahead of their time, right? So mm -hmm. you could have a great idea, but just not place at the right time. Um, yeah. So in the beginning of 2000s, internet connection wasn't fast enough. Not everyone had a computer. Not everyone had a, iPhones were, were were came out in 2007. You know, mm -hmm. the iPod the, the iPod Nano was in the beginning of 2000s, so they were just too ahead of your time. So a great idea, if the timing is wrong. You know that goes into luck, right? And and it's too bad for cinema now that they were able to, you know, that didn't flourish like Netflix is doing now. But Netflix was also able to adapt to their clientele, exactly. right? They, yeah. they 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 were offered to be bought. They were they were offering themselves the blockbuster um, for fifty million dollars in in mid two thousands. You know, look what happened from there. Yeah, for sure. Well, it brings me to a point I I, I want to make where it was in a book I read. A lot of people read this book. It's Malcolm Gladwell's. Um, I forget the name. You know which one I'm talking about. The one he talks about, yeah. 10,000 Hours. What is that book called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I forget this? It's like one of the most famous books, like biggest bestseller ever. Anyways, it's one of Malcolm Gladwell's books. He talks about the 10,000 Hour Rule, but in it, he talks about how successful people in a Outliers. lot of... No. Outliers, yes, yes, Outliers, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. And in it, he talks about how a lot of it, like you said, it's timing. Like all of these, like the Bill Gates of this world and the Steve Jobs, like all of these people... They were born. Um, they were born at a time when they were able to start working in tech right when tech was about to flourish because it was like in this in between period from it being like where computers and uh, were, were the size of like houses or like the size of big rooms to becoming like yeah. what we put in our pockets, right? Like that transition period. Mm -hmm. It was just like they happened to be born at that time, and all of these people. 1955, 1956, 1953, that's when they were all born, which was funny enough. Mm -hmm. Makes another point about like hockey players. How a lot of people, a lot of hockey players who play in the NHL, they're all born in January. All of yeah. them. Because like it had to yes. do with how like uh, um, uh, people born in January get to play with the older kids and not don't have to necessarily like stay uh, with their year class. So they're uh, more competitive when they're younger and blah, blah, blah. Now, they might be extreme points. A lot of it might be wrong. You decide. I think there is something there that, that we can learn from timing, like you said. Yeah, sure. no, but that, that effect is definitely true. You know, there's a, there's a disproportionate, I'd read this a few years ago, but there was a disproportionate amount of 
elite sports players who are born in the first few months of the year. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't forget what it is, but like 40% or 50% of, of elite players are born in like January and February. Because yeah. they get to, I think it's because they're the oldest of their cohort. Yeah. Uh, so when they're drafted, they're, um, you know, they, they're like the best in their, in, in their team. But they're also 11 months older than the one who's built, who, who's, uh, who was born in December. And it makes a big difference when you're a teenager. 11 months means like, like the person that's 11 Go. months older can be like, like five inches taller than you just because puberty hit faster. You know what I mean? So yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a question of luck, right? Exactly. It's, it's, it's a bit of luck and you know, you could be the best NBA player. You could be the best, you know, you could want to be so good at basketball, but if you're four and a half feet tall and you can't dunk, <laughs> there's only so far you could go, right? You want to be the yeah. best football player. Yeah. But at some point, you know, there's a certain amount of luck that has to come into there where if your physiology, if your actual body is not made for it, Nothing to do with personal finance. No, it does. I was <laughs> going to bring it back to personal finance. You'll see. Just yeah. finish your point. You'll see. But yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're not like, if you don't have this, you know, I, I could want to be the best, you know, basketball player, but you know, like, you know, five, nine and three quarters on a good day. And, uh, and, and I'm not that good either. So, <laughs> you know, my willpower can only go, you can only get me so far. Yeah. Well, all of this, I think all of this has to do with self-awareness. And I think a big yeah. part and this is how I want to bring it back to finance. Be self-aware, like know who you are before going into anything, especially in the finance world that has to do with money. And money is very powerful because it means that like, that's what put food, puts food on your table. That's how you, you can have a house, like shelter. And, but it also means that, that that's like what you, money can also buy you like luxuries in life. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. when you go ahead and pick a job, be self-aware. If you're not the type of person that can, that if you're the type of person that cannot take the risk of, say, uh, what an entrepreneur does, which means like anything can fall, like your entire career can basically fail any day, like, you know, tomorrow or the day yeah. after. If, if that gives you anxiety, don't go ahead and like become an entrepreneur. Maybe working, say, at a bank will bring you a lot more peace of mind and will make you happier. You know, it really depends. It's all about self-awareness. And a huge yeah. chunk of that self-awareness will come uh, through university or through high school and through experience. So just make sure you know that. It's all about education like we talked about before too. Educate yourself. Maybe putting in some risk to learn about a certain topic in the finance world might help you for when you're 30, 40, 50. No, definitely. I think it's important to know who you are because by doing so, you'll be able to set yourself up you know, for success in, in whatever means that you want, right? You know, and, and that's completely fine, right? That's why you've got people who are, are, you know, that's why you've got a range of opportunities is because some people work in better situations. If, you know, if you're the best communic, if you're the worst communicator, well, don't go inside a, you know, PR position, right? But that's fine. But you have to be able to know that, right? And you have to sit down and say, okay, what, what are my risk tolerances? Um, you know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Mm-hmm. Like, I know that I have certain weaknesses that, as much as I work to, you know, to, to improve them, there's always going to be someone who'll be better than, you know, better than me in that, For right? Sure. That's a that's a fact. It's it's a realization, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, so let me see what are my strengths are, and then work with work with those, and then be able to bring value to as many people as I can through my strengths, mm-hmm. and not necessarily try, you know, I know that I can't sing very well. Okay, I can't really sing either, uh, <laughs> but I'm not gonna. You know, I could take classes and I could record and I could put all the effort I can do. But at some point, you know, there's gonna be someone who's better than me, right? And as opposed to focusing all my energy in that, I rather focus my energy in other things. Yeah, it's risk. That's management. kind of you know being self-aware. It's risk management. It's exactly risk management. And you know, you you might be that person who like has been told no, you can't their whole lives and like 
15 years later after being like really shitty when you started you like actually become one of the best that's definitely possible mm -hmm. that is rare though you should be very very again self-aware like everything we're saying right here it all ties in together and i just want to go to the next book that i i mentioned in the beginning of the podcast which is i will teach you to be rich by ramit sethi and um a big part i i lost the bookmark and it but i do remember what it talked about um which is a lot of people get, uh, you know, whenever they, they, they try and find uh, any advice when it comes to investing or, or like managing their money and all of that stuff is that there are so many like words that are thrown their way that it can be very overwhelming. And I am aware a lot of people might hear all of this and still be very much like lost. Like what the hell is a bond? Like ETFs? Like what are you saying? These are just letters to me. It's just, I think people should know that it's okay or they should just it's okay start. Not to know. It's okay not to know and just start. By being a player in this game, you just learn. I when I when yeah. I started investing, I barely knew anything, right? Like I started investing before I even like took an economics course. I mean, I took one in high school, but like I'm, I'm talking about university. Like I didn't yeah. know what an ETF was. I was just like, I don't know. You invest in stocks, right? Like I, the first thing I did was the robo advisors, like uh, with like a, a broker where they well simple, yeah. well simple, where they just invest your money for you. But through that, like you know, through putting my money into Wealth Simple and letting it do its thing, and then me going in and like seeing what it was doing, figuring out what an ETF was and what kind of ETFs it was investing in, I was able to learn about the stock market. And then through that, I was able to transition into like a self-directed portfolio where I'm the one picking my ETFs and my stocks, right? So again, yeah. be a player, just start with something you will learn like by doing, right? Don't be too yeah, scared. Yeah, like hundred bucks. You, yeah, exactly. You don't, need, you don't need much. Exactly. Don't be too really, scared really of don't. losing like a hundred dollars. If you just want to learn like, don't be too scared of losing that $100. Again, it has to do with education. Like, especially in the stock market where the benefits, like, outweigh the the, the risk a lot the of the cost, time. Yeah. The cost. Um, yeah. Be a player. Don't be too overwhelmed with all of these letters and all of these words, right? Yeah. No, definitely. There's a lot. Like, I could, you know, I could talk about these complicated terms and everything. But at the end of the day, investing is not rocket science. It's really, there's a ways of complicating it. Mm -hmm. um, but as an individual investor, as a as a individual, you know, as a uh, as a sole purpose person, you don't have to be you don't have to be a genius in everything. You have to just understand enough so that like you could get your feet wet and you're you're comfortable in the position, right? If you have no idea what you're doing, then maybe not. I wouldn't say okay, go you know go full on hundred percent equities <laughs> you know, tomorrow morning. Um, but if you know like if you're interested enough. And you're willing to take the initiative, right? You're self-aware that you want to that you want to learn more, and you're and, and you're aware of that you know the 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 the, uh, the benefits of compounding are exponential for every year you start before, mm -hmm. right? Every every you know every day that you wait is like you know ten times its value in thirty years, forty years, for sure. Um, but but it's a question of like you said you know you want to start now and there's a lot of but it's fine to be a bit intimidated because it is kind of complicated but you go online you know hopefully through these through, through, through these these chats you'll be able to understand and you know follow my Instagram and I and I post a video <laughs> every day talking about the uh, plug <laughs> some invest some some finance <laughs> link in the description below <laughs> plug your Instagram I know you want to do it Mark <laughs> no no it's fine but it's a question of like you know there's a lot of ways of overcomplicating it. But there's a way of dumbing it down and bringing it to a way that's very, very manageable. Yeah. And I think maybe maybe we'll dive about this uh, in, another, in another week of like, you know, really diving into what are some of the terms 
and then we'll define some of these terms. For sure. And that could be fun. Uh, I just want to say something about the whole just starting out. It, it has to do with, personally, like I, I'm still trying to learn a lot about, say, um, just making videos, just, you know, making, creating content for people and just figuring mm -hmm. out ways to like communicate as best as possible. And um, I did realize that because I went to film school in CJEP and I did realize that a lot of it had to do with, you know, we're being told a lot of these like real, like, you know, fun concepts like what composition is, what a white balance is, how to use a camera, how to tell a story. It's all very, very informative. But at the end of the day, I realized this is just personal, but it has to do with finance. What I could do is maybe start making my own projects and putting them on the internet, making a YouTube video, doing this podcast, learning how to communicate with unnecessarily having to know all the theory, you know, you know that you mm -hmm. become a player, right? It's scary, but like yeah. once you get into it, you learn and maybe five, 10 years, 15 years down the line, you, or 20, you can become an expert just because you started now. So don't be afraid to, hey, you don't know what bonds is, what an ETF is, what an ETF is or all of that stuff. Don't be afraid to just start because in 10 years, you might know a lot more than you think you were able to know. Yeah, but that goes back to, right back to what we started with, you know, the question of over-education, right? There's a certain amount of, there's a third, certain threshold you have to, you know, to, that you have to pass in order to say, okay, I, I know enough, let me start, right? You want to start filming. Well, I have to know how the camera works, the basics. The basics. Maybe maybe understand how Final Cut works or maybe just iMovie. Mm -hmm. um, learn what an SD card is and then learn that you need like a microphone maybe so that the audio is is, 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 is uh, boss up, you know, mm -hmm. as a minimum. That's pretty much it, you know, and that your iPhone could pretty much do everything. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like just, just know that, you know, the question is as soon as you start creating value, with for someone else you find a niche market and you're able to you know to, to to serve this market and create value for these people um in that case everything else is secondary right i think one of my favorite youtubers um doug demiro he's like three and a half million subscribers but he's also you know in the car community he he, he shoots with his iphone he has like a million views per, per episode he shoots his iphone every other video has like audio issues he has a clip on mic he wears two t-shirts wears like a t-shirt like a two t-shirts like the white balance is terrible. Lighting is is minimal. But let me but guess. The content this, is good. Exactly. The story is good. But the, the content, content is, is good. good. Yeah. So so his videos are half an hour long, shot on his iPhone with a tripod, um, and he still gets a million views per episode because the value and the content is good. Yeah. Right. So that's where you know your strengths and your weaknesses. You know, I, I know that I'm not a good videographer. You know, maybe he should put a bit more effort, learn a bit of uh, uh, videography. But you know that you know maybe that he has no interest in that. Mm -hmm. Um. But you know what your strengths are? You're self-aware with what you're good at, delivering content, speaking to an audience, and delivering value to a niche group. Um, and that's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of value to be created through there. For sure. And without I, necessarily being the best at everything. And I kind of want to wrap this episode up with this one point you made, which is creating value. I think by building yourself up as a student and by learning about, like, you know, money, finance, whatever other industry you're interested in, you can become a person that is educated enough, has the experience to go ahead and create value for others. Because by creating value for others, people are willing to basically give back to you, right? Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So with that, I just wanna end with, um, I guess that was my one point, uh, my one like final like one-liner point that I wanted to make, which is, yeah, that, what, what is yours, what is yours? No, but you know, I think, I think that's a very fair point and I'm gonna echo I'm going to kind of echo what you said. It's the fact that as soon as you're able to, you're aware of your strengths and you're aware of your weaknesses, work on your strengths 
and and try to you know nurture your weaknesses or at least you know make them the least impactful possible in your career or in your personal life or whatever um, and then find a way to create value for someone else mm-hmm. right whether that be through advisory services whether that be through you know building websites whether that be through you know giving legal advice or or whatever you do or or, or just creating content that people enjoy watching if you're able to bring value to someone else you could build you could build a chair like if you could build <laughs> that is value. Like, literally anything you know you could design clothing like yeah. as long as you could create value for someone else and someone is willing to say oh that thing has made my life better or that thing has eased exactly. my suffering um then that then in that case you know go for it for sure and um that's how you create value and i think that's how you know i'm trying to, i'm still figuring myself out um through there but um but that's how you create wealth and that's how you, you, you ultimately, you know, succeed because you're able to help others and, and make the world a better place. What a wonderful way to end the podcast. <laughs> that's <laughs> like bad. the cherry on top. I love it. <laughs> well, with that, this has been episode two of the Money Class Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to our YouTube viewers for watching. And we'll see you again uh, next week for episode three. All right. Bye, guys. Yeah. Take care, guys. This has been episode two of the Money Class Podcast. If you like the episode, don't forget to follow and subscribe to the podcast. You release a new episode every week. With that being said, see you next week with episode three. Bye-bye.